Good afternoon and welcome to the Lois Law Firm webinar series. My name is Karen Vincent and this is my colleague Michael Gervolino. Today we're, we're going to be covering which defenses apply. You'll notice on your screen you have a box marked questions. You can type in any questions you have at the end of our seminar. We will be able to answer some questions. If for some reason we run out of time, we will certainly email you and get your questions answered. Uh, this is a webinar series that Lois Law Firm hosts every month. We do workers' compensation defense in both the states of New Jersey and New York. New York does their webinar series every month on the third Monday, and New Jersey we do the fourth Monday of every month. Now all of these webinars are recorded, so if you go on the website lois-llc.com backslash webinar slash archive, you can pull up any of our prior webinar series. Now, Lois Law Firm also has handbooks. Greg Lois wrote a, a handbook for both New Jersey and New York. If you wish to receive a copy, you can email us and we'll get one out to you. Also on the Lois uh, website, we have articles on different areas of law for workers' compensation. We have these monthly webinars as well as a monthly newsletter. Today, we're going to be covering denials and defenses. No accident, notice, statute of limitations, intentional, recreational, personal actions, and lunchtime. We're skipping over non-employee because that was covered last month. The going and coming rule will be covered next month. Today, we're going to be discussing which defenses apply. At the conclusion, we will have the question and answer period. Okay, thanks, Karen. Let's get started with our first defense. Our first defense is probably the most obvious one. That is, no accident took place. It's important with this defense to see if there's any red flags. Um, and maybe a good example of red flag would be, say, an employee has not been the best employee and he's been reprimanded recently to the point where you're considered firing him, considered terminating his employment, and two days before you fire him, he says his back hurts, says he injured his back on the job. To me, that sounds a little fishy, right? So you might want to look into that. You may want to provide an investigation to see if he actually got hurt on the job. Um, for no accident, it's also important to note that when exposure claim, the burden is on the petitioner to show causal connection. Uh, you also might want to note that not every condition is compensable. One example of uh, a red flag for a no accident defense is when there's no witnesses to a traumatic event. Yes. Uh, this is why an investigation is extremely important because when there's a trauma and there's no employees, no supervisor, nobody who actually saw the accident take place, it does lead us to question whether there was an accident and injury involved also asthma, respiratory claims, and myocardial infarctions. Uh, basically what we want to do is we want to shift the burden to the petitioner. Uh, we will be discussing more in our presentation on defending occupational exposure claims this upcoming November. Okay, so our next defense, what I consider one of the more interesting defenses, is the defense of intoxication. It should be noted that intoxication is a defense in New Jersey workers' compensation law. In the statute under Section 7, it states that if an employee is intoxicated and the accident or injury arose because of that intoxication, then the injury would not be compensable. Um, unfortunately for employers, case law has really narrowed this interpretation down a lot. Uh, case law today has established that intoxication needs to be the sole cause of the accident. So a good example of this, of a borderline case, would be, uh, say, a bartender, and the bartender you know, he gets a lot of free drinks at work. Patrons buy him drinks, so he's drinking on the job, and he's also cutting limes. Every day he's cutting limes, you know, to put in drinks, and then one day he's cutting the limes, he's a little drunk, 
and he cuts his finger. And the question becomes, is this compensable? Well, the question really is, is the intoxication, those beers he had before he cut his hand, is that the sole cause of the accident? Uh, really, it's probably not. A judge will probably not find that's the sole cause. I mean, he, cut, he uses knives every day. It's, you don't need to be drunk to cut your finger. That happens. It's just a typical accident. So in that case, we probably find that intoxication was not the sole cause of the accident. Uh, another good tip for this defense is if uh, an employee gets hurt and you go with him to the hospital and you have suspicion that maybe he's drunk, it's a good idea to ask the hospital to take a toxicology report. And they take a toxicology report and they can see, you know, was he drunk at the time of the, the accident? Therefore, you could have a better case going forward and say, oh, look, he was drunk. I have the report. Um, you also want to check for drugs, too, because drugs are very common these days, too. So he may be on drugs while he got himself injured at work. Thank you. Our next defense is the notice defense. Under NJSA 34-15-17, the statute provides notice be given to the employer by the employee. Generally speaking, notice is given within 30 days from the date of the accident. Uh, if notice is given more than 90 days, it's considered uh, a bar and could be prejudicial to the respondent. Uh, the reason for this is that in New Jersey workers' compensation, the employer has the right to control treatment. Also, the longer time period that between the accident and the notice is the time period where we would want to be doing our investigation. That could be interviewing witnesses, uh, sending the petitioner to the doctor. The longer we wait or the longer that uh, there is the time period before notice is given, some of these witnesses may no longer be available. They may not be working for the employer. So what the court really looks to is a case-by-case -case basis on how uh, prejudice the respondent was. Now the courts also distinguish between notice of an accident and notice of an injury from the accident. There's a case Alvarez versus Continental Airlines where a flight attendant slipped and fell while on flight. There were multiple witnesses that he slipped and fell, but he claimed he was not injured. Uh, when the flight landed, he refused all medical treatment. Coincidentally, he left work for several months to take care of his ill mother. It was not until six months later that he began treating, and he still did not notify the employer that he was injured from this slip and fall. He continued to treat and actually had a cervical fusion. Uh, about nine months later, he filed the claim petition. So in this instance, it's one of those where the claim petition was actually the first notice that an injury occurred. So in this case, the petitioner tried to allege that, he, that the employer did have notice of the accident. The employer raised the notice defense, stating that they had no notice of an injury resulting from that accident. The court was able to look at the fact that there was no investigation that could take place nine months after the flight. Most of the witnesses would have been customers that were on the flight, so they weren't able to interview anyone. Also, due to the extensive treatment, they did not have the right to control the treatment or whether the petitioner was going to submit to surgery. So in that situation, the court found that the respondent was unduly prejudiced by the, by the lack of notice, and the case was actually dismissed. Now, in other situations where notice is raised, it may not be enough to dismiss the case outright. However, it does set us up for one of our favorite type of settlements, the Section 20 settlement, which is a lump sum figure for a full and final dismissal of the case with prejudice. Okay, so we're on to our next defense. 
the statute of limitations. This is a pretty straightforward defense. We're not going to talk about it too much. But for traumatic acute injuries, this is like your typical slip and fall case or your motor vehicle accident, the petitioner has two years from the date of the accident or two years from the, the last date of authorized treatment to file a claim. If they do not, then they are barred under New Jersey workers' compensation law. Uh, it's important to note that IMEs, independent medical evaluations, do not count as authorized treatment. It's the last day you received actual treatment, not evaluations. Uh, for occupationals, the law states that under Section 34 of the statute, petitioners do not have a duty to report until two years from when they knew or should have known that the occupational disease came from the work-related accident. In practice, this typically means when the first time they told their attorneys that they got hurt at work, because it's very hard to prove that, hey, the petitioner knew he got hurt at work and he never reported it. He never actually filed the claim. Um, in practice, it may be helpful if you wanted to try to prove that he knew. It may be helpful to look through the medical records and to see, you know, his prior medical records. Did he tell a doctor, hey, my, I hurt myself at work on this day and I just never reported it. That way you can show maybe two years later, you can show, like, hey, he knew two years ago. He never decided to report it. Uh, in practice, that's probably something you may want to do. I agree, and I think that one of the first things we always do is get the medical records. Yeah. We have a lot of cases where it's uh, an assistant who does a lot of typing all day or a construction worker who's bending and lifting, and what they allege is that during the course of their employment, they started to develop an injury. So when we look at the medical records, what we're looking for is manifestation. Yeah. When did the petitioner start treating for that injury? In the case of an assistant who's doing a lot of typing and they start treating for bilateral carpal tunnel syndrome, that's essentially when we're going to start arguing that the statute of limitations begins. And it would be from two years from that date, not always the date of their last employment. Exactly. The next defense is intentional. Uh, NJSA 34-15-7 covers this defense. There's self-harm, uh, suicide, which is extremely rare. We also have instances, we had a case where a supervisor was talking to his employee about his work performance. The employee got very angry and turned and punched an electrical box and he fractured his hand. In that case, the court found that it was not compensable because he injured himself. That was not a reasonable expectation or reaction to what was happening. Also, uh, we have an assault at work. The aggressor is not considered uh, covered under the workers' compensation statute. They began the fight. We're also going to look at the issues on the fight on whether it was personal or work-related. You have horseplay. Uh, a couple of employees decide to play around while they're working, and one of them gets injured. What the court's looking at is, was their actions beneficial to the employer? When they're playing around, either out back or even inside the work, they're not actually doing any of their work. So it, their actions are not arising from or in the course of employment. Uh, another type of defense under this is we have a lot of factories where the supervisor may remove a safety mechanism on the machine because it works faster. So not, not surprisingly, someone gets hurt. Now, with that type of situation, we try to raise the defense. This also means that there is a likelihood of a third-party case. In New Jersey, if there's a third-party settlement, we're entitled to a Section 40 lien, which is two-thirds reimbursement of all monies and benefits paid to the petitioner mm -hmm. pursuant to uh, the workers' compensation claim alleged. Again, this is an another type of uh, defense that it may not dismiss the case, but it again leads us back to attempting to settle 
the case under Section 20 for a full and final dismissal with prejudice. Okay, so our next defense is the recreational defense. As uh, summer approaches, we get more and more of these questions as more and more employees tend to be outside participating in activities. Um, as a general rule of thumb, recreational activities are not compensable in New Jersey workers' compensation law. Uh, there is an exception, though. And well, the exception would be, what is the employee, is the activity mandated? And, or, sorry, is, employee, is the activity mandated or does the employee think the activity is mandated? In other words, does the employee think he has to participate in this activity or does he actually, does he have to actually participate? If either of those apply, then it is compensable in New Jersey. As we can see in the example in uh, McCarthy, McCarthy is, if you can go back one slide here, I'm sorry. As you can see, McCarthy versus Quest, the tug of war case, McCarthy is the employer there, right? And he has a company picnic every year. And at that picnic, they have a tug of war game. And he asks his employee, Mr. Quest, to participate. He says, I want to see you in that tug of war. Well, Quest thinks he has to go. It's his boss. So he participates in tug of war and he gets hurt. Question becomes, is, he, is this compensable? And the court found it was because he thought he had to participate in the activity. Uh, Lozano versus Frank DeLuca is a very similar case. Lozano is the employer. They're at a construction site and there's ATVs there. So people are riding ATVs and Lozano turns to Frank DeLuca and says, Frank, I want to see you on that ATV. So Frank, thinking he has to go for his own job, he gets on the ATV and he gets hurt and the same question arises, is this compensable? Did Frank think he had to participate? And he, the court found that he did. The court found that he thought he had to participate. Even if he put Lozano on the stand and Lozano says, well, I didn't think he had to participate. I didn't mean he had to participate. It doesn't matter because Frank thought he had to. His boss is telling him. Thank you. Uh, another defense is personal. This could be attacked at work, idiopathic uh, injuries. What we look at, is it, a, is it a personal risk? Now, some examples are... Uh, seizures, diabetes, these are conditions petitioners have uh, in their personal life, and, but for the fact that they were at work and they had a seizure or a diabetic episode. Now, well, we have to be very specific about these because although the seizure might not be compensable, if they slip and fall and hit their head on the corner of a desk, that portion of the injury may be deemed compensable. So what they look for is whether the work had any cause of a petitioner's condition. Uh, again, we covered before uh, assaults in the workplace, mm -hmm. and what we look for is what was the nature of the fight itself. Uh, again, we said that the aggressor is not covered under workers' compensation, but what about the person he attacked? Yeah. What we look at is actually was the issue that caused the fight work-related or something that had to do in their personal life. We recently defended a case here where we had someone working in a scrapyard Someone drove up and pulled a gun and shot him twice. Now, when we did investigation, we pulled the surveillance video. The petitioner looked at the surveillance and actually recognized the person who shot him, and it was an issue that had occurred in his personal life. We were able to successfully raise the personal defense and, and find the case not compensable. So in these type of situations, again, investigation is key. You want to get a lot of the witnesses. You want to interview everyone. Uh, as soon as possible to find out what the nature and, and scope of the uh, argument was over. The court's always going to be looking at whether it arose out of and in the course of employment and whether, whether it benefited the employer. Uh, we also have landscapers that are working out in the sun and they have seizures. 
we're, again, we're looking at whether they had a pre-existing or prior seizure disorder and it just happened to occur while they were working. Um, other idiopathic injuries could be a knee locking, fainting, and even a heart attack. Okay, so our last defense of the day is the lunch or break time defense. Uh, in this defense, obviously the, the focus would be if the employee is on a lunch break or he's on just a general break and he gets hurt, is it compensable? Uh, for this, you need to ask three different questions, right? First question is, during this time, is the employee being paid or is he not paid? Um, during this time, is he on the premises or is he off the premises? And finally, is the employer benefiting from the employee being on the premises during lunchtime? So we actually have a pretty interesting example of this. It is the uh, Judy Coleman case. Uh, Miss Coleman, unfortunately for her, she was eating lunch on the premises and she was spraying her hair with hairspray. At this time, she was also smoking a cigarette. This is not a good combination, apparently, um, as the two set her hair on fire in the lunchroom. Uh, all the employees ran to her aid and started trying to pat the fire out, causing additional injuries to the poor lady. And the question became, is, she, is this compensable? Does she get workers' comp benefits for this? Uh, well, the court looked at, is the main question the court looked at, is the employer uh, benefiting from having Ms. Coleman eat lunch in the break room? And the court, the uh, case went all the way to the Supreme Court of New Jersey, not the United States. Um, and they determined that the employer is not benefiting from her eating lunch in the break room. So um, her injuries were not compensable, and she could not collect any benefits under New Jersey workers' compensation law. And uh, so we're moving to questions. Now we're moving to questions. So we have a question from Eric. Uh, two employees get into an altercation at work with injuries. Uh, during the course of our employment of, of our investigation, we find out that one of the employees was having an affair with the other employee's wife. Now we already know that the aggressor is not covered under workers' compensation. What about the man that was attacked? Essentially, the issue of him having an affair with his co-worker's wife is not related to work. We would therefore raise a defense and deem it not compensable. Okay, I'm going to take a question to, um, how about Awilda? Awilda asks, okay, so two employees leave work at 5 o'clock after they leave work, okay, and they go and they play catch outside in, on the premises. Is that compensable? Well, because they're on the premises, I could see why it would raise a question, but because there's no evidence that says that the employer mandated mandated that they participate in this activity, and there's no reason to believe that they thought they had to participate, this should be not compensable, because they're not at work, they're not getting paid at the time, and they have no reason to believe that they have to participate in this activity. So I would say it's not compensable. Um, is that all we got for today? Looks like we have one more question okay. from Marshall. Uh, an accident occurs, and they get a claim petition six months later. Uh, so again, this would be a notice issue. This is clearly past the 90-day bar, so we would raise uh, the fact that we are prejudiced. It would really depend on what the accident was, what kind of treatment there is, because in New Jersey, basically, it is a case-by-case -case basis to determine how prejudiced the respondent is from there. 
but certainly uh, six months after the accident, we would be raising the defense of lack of notice and probably filing a motion to dismiss. Now, when a petitioner files the claim petition and we file an answer, we do have a checkoff list of all the defenses, uh, and we, we tend to check off every one that we feel that we're going to be looking into and potentially raise in the claim. So I think just based on the facts given, we would probably raise the lack of notice, and then we would start our investigation as to what happened. Yeah, I agree. It looks like this ends the portions of our questions. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in. Next month, we're going to be covering the going and coming defense in New Jersey. Uh, if you log on to www.lois.llc.com slash webinars, you can register just like you registered for today's webinar. Thank you so much. Have Thank a you. wonderful afternoon. If you have any more questions, feel free to email us. Thanks, guys.